If you have your pews Bibles, we're looking at Acts 9, and we're doing verses 10 to 31, and it's page 1102. Okay. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and he, he be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, and at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who caused havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here? to take them as prisoners to the chief priests. Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him, But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord 
and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Thanks be. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening. Good. Both of you are awake then. That's good. Right. Uh, I'd like to actually start this evening with a thank you, and um, and that is a thank you to Neil and to Mary. Um, I find very often sitting in the congregation that uh, I enjoy the songs and uh, you know and the readings and the sermon and the bits and pieces, um, but um, I'm I'm not always aware of the hard work that goes on in the background um, in the preparation for that. You kind of expect. And don't we all that the preacher's done a bit of homework before he gets up the front? Um, but actually, um, on this evening, these guys have done a bunch of work as well, and we've had emails back and forth. And, uh, and thank you for that, because um, I see, if, even if nobody else does, um, how it fits with the theme for this evening. So thank you for that. Um, and I, I was particularly pleased when Mary chose that song that we've just sung, because it's a, it's a song that I like very much. And, and actually, I'd, I'd like to use a slightly adjusted version of it as our prayer as we come uh, to the sermon this evening. So um, perhaps you'll join me, at least in your minds, uh, in praying this together. Let's pray. Speak, O Lord, as I come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in me, shape and fashion me in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today in my acts of love and my deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in me all your purposes for your glory. Amen. We are looking at the Apostle Paul in Acts. Um, If you weren't here last week, then uh, you may not know that we've just started a new sermon series, and this is the second one in the series, and we're looking at how the Apostle Paul um, develops and the things, some of the things he gets up to, and we're taking it from uh, his conversion, which is what we actually looked at last week. Uh, Sorry, just give myself a bit of legroom here, Uh, which is what we looked at last week. And uh, we're going to go on through at least some of his missionary journeys by the time we finish. But um, we're going on to the next part of the story from his conversion from last week. And it's worth thinking for just a second or so about what kind of a reading it was that we just had. Because... um, you'll be aware that that within the Bible there are all sorts of different kinds of literature. There's uh, law and prophecy and poetry and letters and things like that. And the story that we've just had, the the account that we've just had read to us this evening is story. It's narrative. It tells us about certain things that happen. And if you're the kind of person who's a bit like me, who enjoys a good novel from time to time or a good program on the telly, you'll understand that... For a good story, there have to be events that happen, uh, but these events are tied together with the characters of the people who make up the story. The characters are crucial. And 
Uh, in this particular story, Saul, or Paul as he becomes to be known, is obviously one of the main characters. There are supporting characters as well, uh, such as Ananias and Barnabas, who get a mention in the, the piece that we read together. Um, but the chief character always is the crucial one. And I think we're going to discover, as we look at the life of Paul, he's probably going to get his name mentioned pretty often over the next few weeks. But in actual fact, the main character in the stories that we're looking at over these weeks is is not Paul, but God. God himself. There's not much doctrine in some of these passages. There's not much teaching. There's not much, uh, well, the church put on a program to run a film or, you know, run a course or anything like that. But we see God at work. And this evening, I'd like to structure uh, our thoughts around a series of questions. And questions that we might ask about the main characters that are involved, but on that basis, questions that reflect onto us a little bit as well. So what's happened? What has happened is that uh, Saul has um, collected some letters. He wants the authority of the chief priest to go and arrest people of the way, people who follow Jesus. They're not called Christians for another two chapters until we get to chapter 11, Um, but they are Christians really. And um, he's on his way to Damascus and on his way into Damascus, he meets Jesus in a blinding light and he hears Jesus speak to him. And as a result of that, uh, Saul is blinded and he has to be led by the hand into Damascus to uh, a safe place. And he spends three days, you know, you're, you're sitting there listening to the reading being beautifully read and when you discover actually that you've asked the reader to start in the wrong place. Um, should have asked her to start at verse 9 rather than verse 10, which says that Saul had spent three days and three nights uh, thinking and uh, waiting for something to happen when he got into Damascus. So, that's the background. What happens next? Well, along comes a guy called Ananias. And if you know your Bible at all, then you probably realize that this is not Ananias the high priest, We don't come across Ananias, the high priest, until chapter 23, so it's not him, uh, but chapter 22, when we eventually get there, we'll discover that Paul himself tells the same story to other people, and he describes Ananias as a devout man, and he's a follower of Jesus. Uh, How do we know he's a follower of Jesus? Well, He hears Jesus speak to him, and when he hears Jesus speak to him, he responds to Jesus positively. He obeys what Jesus says, and not only that, but in his conversation with Jesus, he's concerned about what our current version of the Bible calls the holy people, that is, the saints, the other Christians. He's concerned about this incident and how it's going to affect other Christians. So Ananias is himself a Christian. And here's my first of seven questions, and that is, are we Christians here this evening? I'm guessing that most of us are. Most of us would say that we are Christians like Ananias. So if you say, yes, I'm a Christian here this evening, then I'm expecting that quite a few of the questions I'd like to ask this evening will apply to you and to me, because I would call myself a Christian. If you would say, no, or not yet, I'm not a Christian, some of those questions, I think, will still apply to you. So, bear with me. 
Listen up. As a Christian, Ananias hears Jesus speaking to him. He speaks to him in a vision. And uh, it's interesting that uh, Jesus says to him, one word, Ananias. And Ananias responds. If you go back a few verses, you find that Jesus speaks to Saul, and he has to say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I think probably because if he'd just said to him, Saul, Saul might have got it, but he might have thought that one of his mates in the party was just calling him and pointing out something of interest to him. But Jesus has to say more to Saul than he does to Ananias. As Christians this evening, are we people who are aware of God speaking to us? Jesus spoke to Ananias. Are we people who are aware of God speaking to us? The Bible describes a multitude of ways in which God speaks. He speaks through prophets. He speaks through the interpretation of tongues. He speaks through dreams and vision, through creation, through angels, through audible voices, through stories, through parables, through other people. He even, you'd never believe this, but he even speaks through preachers occasionally. There, there's a surprise. He speaks through Christian books. Most importantly, he speaks through the scriptures, the written word of God. That's probably the principal way in which God speaks to us these days. And the question is, are we people who are open to God speaking to us, whatever means he chooses to use? For instance, what about things he's already said? When we hear, love your neighbor, blessed are the peacemakers, don't give up meeting together, put off your old ways of life and put on the new way of life, be filled with the Spirit, pray on all occasions. Do we recognize that these are things that God is speaking to us about, albeit through a piece of writing? Are we those who expect God to speak to us? Jesus speaks to Ananias in a vision. And he says, go to the house of Judah on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Jesus obviously didn't know the postcode, otherwise he'd have given it. But Jesus speaks to Ananias And Ananias has got his questions. Not surprisingly, perhaps he's concerned about himself. Yes, Lord, but I've heard about this man. He's concerned for the saints, for the holy ones. But notice that Ananias is a brave man. He's a brave man. You see, he knows that this man Saul is coming to town with authority to arrest us and take us off to prison or worse. But Ananias hasn't left town. He's not done a runner. He's a man who's brave and he's a man who has faith and he's a man who listens to what God says through, in this case, a vision. And so Ananias goes. He goes to see this guy. 
And when he gets there, he calls him brother. Whew, that's good, isn't it? And he says that he is the instrument who's come. I've been sent to lay hands on you that you might see again and that you might receive the Holy Spirit. It's probably, we don't know for certain, but I think it's a reasonable guess that it's Ananias who baptizes Saul because he gets baptized straight away. And he gives him the message about what Saul is to do. Because Saul had been told on the road to Damascus, go into Damascus and you will be told what to do. Now Ananias comes and tells him what he must do. Be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. God has called you to do the work of taking it to the Gentiles and the Israelites. Question three. Are we people who are obedient to what God says. We've asked whether we're people who listen to what God says, that God says to us certain things, he speaks in certain ways perhaps, but are we then obedient to it? Whatever form it comes in, do we then allow that to affect our belief and our behavior? Which brings us neatly to Saul himself. Where is Saul? Saul is care of Mr. Judah, Straight Street, Damascus. And what's he doing? Well, we're told a couple of things that he's not doing. He's not eating and he's not drinking. I'm guessing, but I'm guessing that he's not sleeping either. When you've had a shock... And we've all had shocks at various times. It tends to disrupt our sleep, doesn't it? And Saul's had a major shock. Everything he has thought, everything he has believed at this point has been turned upside down. So he's not eating and he's not drinking. He's probably not sleeping. What is he doing? I suggest that he's thinking. I suggest he's thinking. And he's thinking pretty hard. Saul has been brought up a Jew. He's a Pharisee. We learn the details of his story as the story goes on and he relates it from time to time. But he's brought up as a Pharisee. As a Pharisee, Saul therefore would have believed in angels. He would have believed in spirits. He would have believed in the resurrection because that's what Pharisees did. He also believed that he was completely faultless, at least in his own eyes. Saul knew the law. And the prophets, possibly by heart, he'd been properly trained, and he'd built his life upon them. And he was part now of an organization that was bitterly opposed to Jesus and determined to stamp it out. But suddenly, in a moment of time, his world is turned upside down. This imposter is Lord. This one who was crucified is alive. This blasphemer is God. His whole world is turned upside down. I have to confess that I'm the kind of person who finds it very easy to get distracted from time to time. 
even when I'm sitting down preparing a sermon. And I reached this point in my sermon preparation and I got heavily distracted by the musical Oliver, where, if you know the musical Oliver, I was probably distracted by the musical Oliver because Ronnie and I went to see it at the Dartford Theatre a fortnight, three weeks ago, whenever it was. But if you know anything about the musical Oliver, you'll remember that the chief character in Oliver is a guy called Fagin, who happens to be an old Jew, a bit like Saul. And I got distracted by the fact that there's a point at which Fagin sings a song. He's been reviewing his life, and he sings a song that ends every last line of every verse, says, I think I'd better think it out again. And I'm imagining Saul is sitting there in his blindness and the darkness, going through everything he's ever believed and everything he's been challenged with, thinking to himself, I think I'd better think it out again. And yes, I did get to put pen to paper, and if you want to know how my verse goes, you can ask me afterwards. But Saul is thinking, thinking seriously about what it is. And here's question four. Are you and I thinking people? Are we thinking people? Jesus said, quoting Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, which Saul probably knew by heart, maybe. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. And Jesus said it was the greatest commandment. Paul himself wrote later a verse that my dear wife knows off by heart, and I'm still struggling to get into my mind. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We need to be thinking people. Are we people who think through what God says to us when we hear him speak, however that comes? And if you're one of those people who would say to my first question, no, I'm not yet a Christian, I wonder whether that's because you have or you have not yet sat down and really thought it through. And if you haven't really sat down and thought it through, I recommend it to you. I've told my story from here on a number of occasions, and I won't take time to rehearse it all again, except to say that I became a Christian when a mate at work said, Nigel, think it through for yourself. And I did then, and I have several times since. Think it through for yourself. Are we thinking people, which was what I think Saul probably was doing for most of those three days. But not all of those three days. Because Jesus said to Ananias, go to this guy at this address because he is praying. Which leads us to Saul being a man of prayer. Here was a man who had been so wrong in what he believed. He'd got it so completely wrong and he sat down and he thought it through again and in the end, his only recourse was to go to prayer. And question five, 
is, are we praying people? Are we praying people? Paul had thought it through for those three days. He was baptized, refreshed, discovered he had new friends, which is not always an easy thing. We were having a discussion after the evening service last week uh, with Alan, who's sitting at the back over here, and he reminded us, if we needed reminding, that there are many people in the world, not least people of a Muslim background, who, when they become converted to Jesus Christ, find it very difficult to join the church. Because, as we will see in a moment, as Paul did, Saul did, they're not always easily accepted when they come into the church because we're not sure whether they're really converts or not. It's not always easy. But Saul here has discovered that he's got some new friends. But he also has a new purpose. A new purpose. Jesus said to Ananias, he is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And Saul gets right on with it. He gets right on with it. Verse 20 in our reading, at once he began to preach. At once he began to preach. And question six, are we people who know what our purpose is for God? It may not be to preach. It may be that your purpose is involved in your school or your home or your old people's home or your club that you belong to or whatever it is. But do we know what our purpose in God is? Notice where Paul preaches. It says that he preached in the synagogues. Notice that it's plural. Synagogues, not just one, but all of them. Paul goes straight to the very people that he had once considered his friends and considered his compatriots in the role that he thought he was playing. He goes right to them and he tells them that things have changed. And notice what he preaches. He goes to the Jews And he proclaims Yeshua HaMashiach. He proclaims Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. The very fact that he had hated now becomes the central part of his message. And notice how he preaches. I've got in my notes with boldness. Speaking boldly, verse 28, in the name of the Lord. Fearlessly, it says somewhere else. Can't find it at the moment. Saul is completely transformed. He is a guy who has completely changed his mind. He knows what his purpose is and he goes directly to it. Saul has had a personal encounter with Jesus. He now knows him, knows Jesus. He is now in a right relationship with Jesus. He is Lord to Saul. And Saul has the power. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He has new companions and we shall discover new enemies as well. There will be a price to pay. But in the end, it's God who gets the glory. 
God who is the main character of this story. God who is the main person in Saul's life. Because you see, it's not Saul, but Saul's loving, forgiving, restoring, empowering, reigning, sending, guiding, directing, transforming God who is central to all of this. The same God who is our God. Question seven, isn't he? Isn't he? And what's the result? The result's there in verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. It increased in numbers. Are we Christians this evening? Are we those who expect to hear God speak to us? Are we people who are obedient to what he says? Are we thinkers who think through what he says and how it applies to us? And does that lead us to prayer? Are we people who know our purpose for God? We pray that it may be so. For his name's sake. Amen.